Welcome to Kindly Gifted. I'm your host, Kate Tarantiva, and I can't wait to unwrap the world of influence with you. Every day, your gifted episodes, see what I did there, to help you become fluent in the business of creativity and learn the best kept industry secrets to creating an online presence worth remembering. It's really like having a momager on speed dial. So let's dive into it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hopping in here really quick before you get to meet our guest, just so you can get a little bit of tea about her beforehand. Um, Gabrielle Judge is a TikTok creator and an angel investor. She's actually a seed investor at Trust Stamp and a limited partner at the Celestial Group. Um, Gabrielle and I met through Sandy Lynn, who has been on this podcast before, who um, was teaching us about building wealth as a creator. This episode kind of builds upon that a little bit more. Um, with focus on things that Gabrielle knows best, like tech news and tech career advice, the future of work concepts, like quiet quitting and overemployment and personal finance. Um, so you'll hear a lot about that in the conversation that follows. Um, Gabrielle founded Anti-Work Girl Boss, which is a media company that focuses on progressive career advice and digital resources. So that's a little bit about her, but keep listening for the conversation and I hope you enjoy it. I'm super excited to have you on Kindly Gifted. Gabrielle, I know that you're a TikTok creator, angel investor. We're talking about like career and money advice from the future today, which I'm super excited about. It's definitely a different episode than what we usually do on Kindly Gifted, but I'm stoked to have this conversation with you and appreciate you for coming on the show. Thanks, Kate. I appreciate that. Yes, I'm so excited to be here today. We're going to talk about some crazy stuff. Um, but yeah, TikTok's been a lot of fun. It's, it's opened up a lot of, um, I don't know, ideas, I guess, that I've been noticing. For sure. Speaking of TikTok, walk us through your TikTok journey. How did you like become a creator on the platform? Was it random? Was it something that you were like, this is going to be incredibly instrumental to my career? Yeah, I think I like started when it was like popular like early 2020 like when we were like all dancing on there and like doing weird stuff that's when I started and so I was really burnt out at a previous role that I was at it was great and I learned a ton and I got to work with like amazing projects clients all that stuff but just made you burnt out so I was like all right what do I do so I would make some like gross random cringy TikToks and like I don't even know what they are and I don't want to see them but then I started talking about my <laughs> career and then like people were asking me a lot of questions about that and they kept blowing up so I was like okay cool there's something there and like to this day I think like the biggest creators that we have in this space is like corporate Natalie who everyone knows of course but it's like that work from home like pseudo like normal person doing a job kind of niche is like very new so like even um just kind of like categorizing myself like when I did kind of become eligible to be like monetized or start thinking about offerings with my community it was like I don't know because no one's really done this yet so it's been it's been cool because you just kind of like do your regular life and you make it educational fun and all that um and then it really started to blow up this summer I was talking about like really taboo stuff like quiet quitting and just really crazy stuff that people have been doing kind of like as this whole like great resonation has really kind of stormed over us and then 
I don't know, I feel like employers kind of are now facing like layoffs. So there's just been lots of crazy stuff. I almost feel like my, I work in the tech industry. I feel like the tech industry is like a reality TV show these days. I know. You open the news and you're like, what else, what else? Yeah, it's um, crazy. So yeah, so like New York Times and, and Bloomberg like picked up those stories. So I was like, okay, there's there's something here. So yeah, I really, the whole point of it, I think it sometimes looks like I'm just uh, praying for everyone's downfall. It's absolutely not what I'm doing. Um, the content that I'm creating is like really trying to show people like what is and isn't working. It's like, hey, if you feel unfulfilled in your nine to five, like let's look at that. Like let's, let's make some fun about it too. Like it's funny and you know, change gets to also be like funny, humorous, loving. All that stuff but trying to make light of of just maybe some changes that we're all going through as a collective that's a good point that you brought up in terms of that being a niche space and all, not a lot of people are doing it in the sense that you have like you said corporate natalie rod and yeah. deandre brown but a lot of those creators then quit their nine to five to become full-time creators when they started talking about what it's like to work a nine to five. So then it becomes this relatable scenario where you can't really talk about a nine to five anymore because you're not working in it. So now you don't know what it's like. Whereas you have the other situation where creators just quit their nine to five immediately and start becoming a creator. So it's interesting that you're talking about employment and being employed and like while also being a creator at the same time. It's a definitely an interesting perspective for sure. I know you mentioned silent quitting. Can you talk a little bit more about what that means to anybody listening who has no idea? <laughs> for sure. I think the reason that it is so hot is because there is like different interpretations of what it could be. Um, when I was being like interviewed by one of the outlets too, they kind of tried to like pin me as one side and it was just kind of like, uh, you know, like, so there is kind of like some weight to like how people feel about it. Um, but to my knowledge and to what I understand quiet quitting to be, it's someone who feels as if there's no reason for them to go above and beyond anymore at this job. So what they're doing is they're doing the job responsibilities and that's kind of it of the job. And then doing the rest of their life, you know, like not staying out, staying up late for this job, stuff like that. So it's like some interpret, it's up to the interpretation of the person, right? So some people interpret that as lazy, other people interpret that as work-life balance. So I think that that's like where like all of this like trendiness came from it and why it became such a topic because like people interpret it in different ways. I think Gen Z, like what I've noticed in my comment section, what I noticed like in my audience is like, we're definitely moving more towards that. Um, especially because I think that this is Gen Z's first, um, like real recession that we've been like participating adults for. I mean, 2008, right. a lot of us were very young. Um, so I think it's kind of like, we're really starting to face like jobs aren't as abundant as they used to be. You may not be getting that pay raise annually any right now. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of people that are like thinking about what they're doing and where they want to put their minds to. I think, um. I think America was made because of that whole boomer mentality of like staying at that job and being loyal for 30 to 40 years. And I, I just, I don't think that narrative works anymore right. because of just the options that we have. So it's kind of like this huge shift that we're watching. Yeah, it's very interesting. I definitely see that kind of readjustment in other industries. I'm in the creative field where job hopping is very normal and encouraged. And you stay at an agency for a year, then you do a couple years freelance and you go back into the job market. Nobody looks at totally. that as like a weird thing. But in other industries, 
that wasn't normal for a very long period of time. So now people are more open to job hopping and getting experience at one place and then being like, okay, I'm gonna go somewhere else. But I also think the concept of quiet quitting is very interesting. I have a friend who works for a very well-known tech company I'm not going to name, but um, <laughs> who also said, you know, that she's not super content with what happens when she does go above and beyond. And so she's like, well, I don't necessarily want to look for another job because I do like the perks here. So I'm just going to quiet quit in sense of I'm going to do the job description that I was hired to do and everything else I'm going to allot to living a life, you know, yeah. whether that's outside of the internet or whether that's becoming a creator and balancing that with your job. So it's a very interesting concept that I think brings people closer to work-life balance, maybe? Yeah. You know? It's like that. And it's also, I feel, yeah, because I think that that's such a good point to bring up. And it's so prominent in, in the tech industry, this whole like quiet quit, quitting thing that will happen. I think it's like also, there's kind of like this triangle that you have with jobs. Like either you get paid well, you learn a lot, or you love it, but you can't really have all three at the same time. You can have like two at the same time. So right. it's like, I think it's kind of, kind of that coming of age that we're all facing too of like, we were sold this dream in high school and college that like we need to be changing the world every moment of our day post-college and it's just like it's just not that right so it's like what's important to you is it your time is it your money is it um what lights you up like what is it and then take that from the job and then yeah like go be multi-dimensional like go do other things go like what are you interested in and and so like i feel like that's been really refreshing with this whole remote work and kind of the shift. I know that it's really affected families too, but I am really positive that there's going to be like really good things out of it. And I think that's also what's kind of really bloomed like the whole anti-work girl boss brand behind me. Cause it's kind of like, okay, so like, how can you maximize your nine to five so that you can literally like fill your cup and go live and like be like an amazing woman, like outside of work. Not that I'm saying that you can't do that at your job, but it's just like, can we get you in a safe position where job responsibilities are already lined up and like already negotiated as you join this job, you're paid well, like you're remote, it's safe. Like you're not doing something like where you're like endangering yourself outside so that you can focus on like whatever you want to do, homemaking, building side hustles, building another company, like whatever the heck you want to do, like let's focus on that, you know? Yeah, for sure. Speaking of anti-work girl boss, which I know is your media company, what yeah. are some projects that you're balancing with your current role in tech, like your investing and being a creator, all of these different things that you're doing in addition to your nine to five. I think that could be really encouraging to people listening who are employed and have been sold this narrative of, no, oh, you gotta quit your job and be a creator, mm. or you have to like buy by your nine to five. I think it's really cool to have you here to encourage people that, no, you can have a bunch of different things going on parallel to the nine to five that you have. Yeah, I really, yeah, I really do appreciate that question because sometimes like to be very transparent, I beat myself up because it'll be like, why can't I just do that one thing and like just grind, um, you know, so like sometimes I'll beat myself up of like, oh, well, I still have like a, like a full-time job. Like, am I really an entrepreneur? entrepreneur? Am I really a TikToker? Like stuff like that. So I do want to be like transparent that that is like something always in the back of my mind, but like truly how I feel about it is like, yeah, like I, I feel like I have the flexibility to do a lot of things at once. And that's just because of kind of the boundaries and the job that I chose in, in my nine to five, like it's something that's very safe for me. I enjoy the work that I'm doing on a day to day. Like my boss, my team is great and we kind of just respect each other's boundaries. So I'm really grateful for that. 
Um, that's something that I had to kind of not like work for as in like no one's worthy of that, but like I had to build that rapport to be able to do that because I knew that that's, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a multifaceted person. Um, I just reshared recently on actually anti-work girl boss's story yesterday. It was this really amazing reel and I freaking wish I remembered who the creator is. I follow her. I feel guilty, but it said, she said a tweet recently and she was sharing it on her reel. If you're happy in a nine to five job role, like if you're truly happy and like you're succeeding in life, like that, like you should be proud of that. Like right. let's stop like glorifying this whole, like you need to grind and like live off of ramen and like do the whole Elon Musk thing. Like it's just not for everyone. Um, so yeah, I really, I really do appreciate that question. Cause it's just something that it's like, it's nice to have options. I feel like people don't understand that. And they just view the salary as like, Oh, well I'm safe. I'm playing the safe route. And it's like, not really. And especially like that we're seeing now, I'm not saying that your employer doesn't like care about you. That's it's irrelevant. It's just, it'll happen. If there's a business decision, like you may be cut. So like, where else can you kind of hedge your risk? It's kind of like anything, right? Like going all in on entrepreneurship, going all in being a full-time, uh, you know, employee person, like it's, they have all risks. It's just like, what are you more, most comfortable with hedging? So for me, like, I just want to taste everything. Like, I think everything is interesting and I just want to figure it out while I have the energy and time now before I, you know, start to get older. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. I think it's also a very similar discussion to what we hear in the creator economy, especially now where it's like diversify your income streams. That can also apply to you if you're employed. You don't have to wait to start a business to do that. You can yeah. do that while you have a job, you know, with you, it's like, yeah, I have a nine to five remote in the tech realm, but then you're probably also making money from brand partnerships as a creator. You're investing, although that's a long game, that can be a return for you as well. Um, yeah. You know, and also your media company and all the offerings within there, there's a diversification. You don't have to drop your nine to five in order to then lean into diversification. So I think that's really interesting and hopefully inspiring to people who are listening, who feel this pressure to do either one or the other. Tell me a little bit more about your perspective as an investor. Cause I know that's a huge part of your life also. How did you get into that? Let's talk about all that tea. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, that's like something I've really stepped into the past two years. It's been super exciting. And it's something that you never feel like an expert on. You just get to, you really just learn like the questions you're supposed to be asking. You get around more of the right people that you're supposed to be around. Um, and it's been really exciting. So for me, I was always really obsessed with like Shark Tank growing up as a kid. I'm sure you, yeah, you probably yes. want to like- it's fucking just love Shark Tank. Mark Cuban, so I like want, I want him in my house. Like I just want him on like, <laughs> just like, I want him on speed dial. I love him. He's so great. <laughs> well, we're manifesting him for the podcast. We're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> Mark, if you're listening. Um, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, so like they were amazing. And so for me, like, I didn't know I'm not I was not raised around this stuff. I have two blue collar biological parents. Um, yeah, like I just I don't I wasn't around this stuff. And so for me, I would look at that stuff on the TV growing up and be like, that's cool that those types of people get to do that. But I didn't really know that that was for me. Um, and even in high school and in, in college, I was really obsessed with like, I thought I was obsessed with technical degrees. So I got a technical degree, but it's not that it's the it's the business strategy and all that behind tech companies. I've always been really infatuated with like, I know like weirdly everything about Apple and Amazon and like, I'm just like a geek about that stuff. Even when like before college, it was just super weird. And so I was always like gravitated towards like company evaluations and like how things like really moved like that. So that's where it kind of gravitated me. And then I had some extra money and I was trying to buy a house. Hmm. 
but the issue was that I couldn't get pre I couldn't get pre-approved for the limit that I wanted because I didn't have two years of commissions mm-hmm. so it was like I really couldn't like buy anything in Colorado and I was like dang like and I just like my world felt like upside down because my my boyfriend's a, a realtor and so he's he's been pressuring me for like three years to do this stuff and I was like dang and this company called Seed Invest which I really hope that people check this out um it's it's a it's a, a way to crowdfund okay private deals so like the issue kind of like and I'm sure you understand this Kate but just for anyone that's listening the issue with kind of the gatekeeping around investment investing is this idea of accreditation and like one of the huge issues about accreditation that I feel like a lot of people don't understand is there are kids so here here's basically the the prerequisites to become an accredited investor you have to make at least 200k annually mm-hmm. or you have to be what a net worth of a million I think it is right 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 right, right right yeah so these rich ass parents what they do is they get their kids when they turn 18 accredited because whatever they put a million in the bank for them Mm. or they put them on the payroll for 200k you know what i mean so that's why you see all these we call them cap tables for businesses capitalization tables are essentially like who owns x percentage of this business so like in this chance we ever do sell the chance that we ever do go public those owners get you know, part of that. That's where the real wealth is made that I feel like a lot of people don't understand. So it's for people who can put quite a lot of money down and let it chill for 10 years. You know what I mean? Like it is crazy. And like, it's just not, um, what would be the word? Like, it's just not accessible for a lot of people. And like the whole game to like get these people accredited is just so oversaturated and crazy now. So what I really empower people to look at is crowdfunding opportunities like that. So like seed invest. So that's a way where you can do a low minimum. I think you can do like as lowest as like a grand, five grand. Like, don't quote me on that. Like this oh was my like God, three years that's ago. That's amazing. Like, so you're not yeah, having yeah. to invest like hundreds of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. or even high five figures. If you don't have that, you can start with like a grand and invest that into yeah. a company. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's really cool. And so, um, I mean, the the thing is like, it's an investment risk. So I'm not going to sit here and say like, everything's vetted perfectly. And I endorse every company that's on there, but it's like, it's one of the ways that you can get yourself in the door. Right. So, um, I became a seed investor for a company on there. And then that actually went public, I would say like a year later. And I was like, I thought that was normal. So I was like talking about it. I was, um, at Caesar's palace, like talking about it with a few friends and they were like, wait, it went public on the, on the New York stock exchange, like X months later. And I was like, yeah. And they were like, that's unheard of. And I was like, oh, which thank God I heard that because I was throwing money at everything and their mother, like after oh that, cause God. I thought that's just like how, it that's works. how it so works. Like, yeah. Wait, I'm going to back up a little bit just for anybody listening. Could you define yeah. what seed means? Because there's oh, yeah, different, yeah, yeah. you know, there's different tiers. So I'm just, I just want to like do my due diligence. and like to anybody listening. I don't want them to feel insecure. They don't know this stuff. Absolutely. No, that's a super important part. So seed basically just means there's different stages that you can basically like call a company. So any there's, it starts at pre-seed and then seed. And then that's basically what that means is like, we have a PowerPoint usually, and we like have done a lot of market research and we're building what's called the minimum viable product to like get this launch. They're kind of in that pre-launch stage of their product or their offering or software, whatever they're doing. Mm -hmm. And then from there, there's series A through like kind of F, you can get pretty low with it, but a company can then go through like a series A, B, C. That's basically more and more funding rounds before an IPO. Okay. Um, Yeah. And so you can do a series, 
CF, that's what it's called. A series CF is an equity crowdfunding um, type of round to where the investors themselves do not need to be accredited investors. Mm, okay, okay, yeah. okay, got it. So pre-seed and seed is that stage where people are maybe still in the idea portion. They're building the MVP, that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And then series A through F is more so the like, we already are steadily making revenue. We're just trying to scale the company, grow the company, et cetera. Am I correct to understand that initiation? Really? Yeah, it has to do with growth. Okay. So like, is the productivity like now, except there's a model that they can really follow up, like measuring productivity over time. And that is really what defines it. So there are some companies in a series A through like whatever's, you know, past the pre-seed that are not making money. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. That does get crazy. Wow. So yeah. in terms of risk, from your perspective as an investor, is there more risk in the pre-seed, seed range or okay because that's more so at the idea stage you're kind of investing Mm -hmm. into the future as opposed to like here's data that you're Mm -hmm. then looking at right or no yeah yeah it is because how a company is evaluated at that stage is is market research and so um are are they doing market research right right like are they looking at the competitors correctly are they really clear about their offering and their audience right like that's where you're truly truly looking at the founders and just betting on them because right. you know they could sit there and move the data and story tell the data however they want it's just are they clear do they truly truly understand the offering that they have um and so that's something for me like when i'm making investments like that one i have to be radically clear that i'm okay with never seeing this money again like that's a mental check and then i'll do it with myself of like am i cool with never seeing these these zeros ever again it's like, a risk cool yeah 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 and like checking in with yourself because when it is low like this one that I was talking about that's super exciting that like got to go public, it's even lower than what I bought it at right now because of the market, right? But I believe in it, so I'm still not like freaking out. Like you have to be, cause you have to be able to weather the storm. So like, it's really checking in with yourself. Like, am I cool with never seeing this money again? The second part of it is, is it solving a problem that I've never seen solved before or solving a problem that I understand will be important in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, so like for this one specifically, it uses blockchain to, cause I was in the housing industry at this time trying to buy a house. It uses blockchain to essentially create a record of your financial records to verify it, to then be like, not have to sit there and get pre-approved by like so many freaking vendors all day. Mm. Cause that was so annoying about with like the whole lender thing and be like, well, why don't you guys just talk to each other? Cause I'm sick and tired of like sending my pay stubs and like all that stuff. This is so stupid. So I understood from that company. I was like, okay, I get it. Like that. Oh, so that's interesting. You had that yeah. same problem. So you were like, yeah. I need you to fucking find a solution. Here's some money and I'll invest it. And like, please solve my problem. Okay, thanks. That's very interesting. You're also looking at it from not just an objective perspective in terms of innovation and a return, but you're also looking at it from a subjective perspective in terms of values that you personally have or problems that you're personally Mm -hmm. experiencing. So in that sense, would you recommend founders to like really do their research on the people that they're pitching to, to get investments from, because Mm -hmm. you can't really copy paste the same pitch. It may not necessarily emotionally resonate with you versus, you know, Mark Cuban, right? You guys believe different things. What would be your advice to a founder in terms of pitching to investors on that side? 
Um, FOMO is like a really big thing. And I think we're seeing that right now with like the whole like Sam, Sam Bankman Freed stuff of like so many people invested because so many other people invested. And I think that that's really going to be squ squashed or at least um, what would be the word like analyze a little bit more i think like now that we've really been burned a few times there's even been a few like for like forbes winners recently that have been like really um oh, exposed yeah that's yeah, a yeah, yeah. whole other conversation i swear to god at this point it's like they get on that list and i'm like all right you know a good 10 to 25 percent of these people probably have already committed fraud or will well, let's just like it's just safe to let's bet. just yeah. see what's gonna happen yeah like there's that girl that um Oh, what was her name? I think her first name is Charlie, but I totally may be wrong. Um, the girl that sold this this fintech company, Frank, to JP Morgan. Yes. Yeah, 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 she yeah. was also on the Forbes list. Yeah. yeah. It's very interesting. Anyway, continue. I Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> no, no, no. It's so important. No, you definitely added like the context too, because it's like that's kind of how I think investing investment choices were made prior and like with all of this kind of like cancel culture and, and due diligence that we've been doing on people now and letting them really like be in the spotlight for 10 years now it's like you can't fake it for that long so something's going to come out I think that we're getting more clear about that so I, that's what my long-winded way of saying like don't invest in something because Mark Cuban did it even though we love him like we don't know what's going on like he's underwater with some stuff too right now which I don't I don't judge his character for that I think that that was like lack of due diligence on someone else's team um but you know so there's just certain stuff like that so I would say like also too another thing is researching the founder but not also creating bias I think that there's something that happens where it's like oh well they went to Stanford so like we must invest right they could no. have been twiddling their thumbs at Stanford we don't know where they got yeah. you in terms of like achievement and there yeah and there's plenty of college dropouts that are fucking killing it too you know yeah. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, not not continuing that bias, I think is so important. I think it's also important to look at who their advisors are. If they don't have any advisors, cool, what's their plan to get some? Like, I think that that's just so radically important in entrepreneurship too, because um, they're gonna need it. There's certain moments where like, you do really need it and you wanna break up with your company and you're just like over it at this point. So I think having that level of support and really understanding like, who is the people around them all day that's helping them make decisions. Um, is important but then there's kind of like that soft side or i don't know what it'd be it's not like a hard quantifiable or yeah quantifiable thing that i do but i do like like gut feelings kind of what you were saying in the beginning of like is this gonna help me in 10 years like you know what i mean like is there something about this that's gonna help me that i radically understand this industry so for me it was like i understand there's no centralization in the real estate game a, a county has a different listing system than another county does and a state right. a state can't even centralize so like i understand so for me it was like okay i really get like this could really interrupt something in the real estate game in a really radical way um so yeah that's it and like you just get better at it and you also like fail a lot too but it's still a lot of fun it doesn't really make you less of an investor because everyone that you look up to today in the private equity venture capital stocks game they've all lost way, way, way more money. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, and then on the flip side, what advice would you give to founders? And the first question I would start with before I dive into that one is, do you think being a founder is over glamorized nowadays? Yes. And what advice would you give to people who actually are serious and intentional about founding a startup or a company or a brand? Yeah, if you don't believe in yourself, it'll show and um, like no one else will. Like there's certain stuff about you that you really have to believe in yourself. Um, 
or it'll really show up in, in kind of how you show up around investors. Um, that's kind of like one of my like tough love things that I have about it. I get that like we're all not cookie cutter person, people, like I'm not making a woman like imposter syndrome her way to death. Like there's other ways that we can support each other too. So it's like, if you're having an off day, don't like hide it, right? Like we're here to support each other. But I'm just saying, if you truly, truly do not believe in your vision, like it'll really show. Um, a second part of it too, and I was just talking to someone about this yesterday is, stop wasting your time on investors that like aren't worth it. I think that like we do this thing where we have this kind of CRM that we've created off of LinkedIn of like, who can give us money? Um, and we just, we jump through hoops and hoops and hoops with them and hoops and more meeting reschedules and more, oh, I don't know if it's right now. It's, it's just a no right now. Like how about like, what else could we have done with that 45 minutes? That was a much bigger needle mover right now for you. Right. Um, there's something too. And I've seen deals where it's like, they literally just walked in on the right zoom. They don't have a PowerPoint right now and they got money. It's just all about alignment because they were truly the right fit. She understood like the entire market that this person was building in. So like there's magic everywhere. It's just, we don't need to like, we don't need to lose nights over like a pesky investor that, you know, wants to make you jump through hoops for six months. Yeah, absolutely. Talking about the glamorization of being a founder, what do you see from your perspective as an investor, the people that are pitching to you, how can you immediately tell if somebody's like here to build this company, super intentional about it, they want to be a change maker, they actually care versus somebody who's like, oh, everybody's doing this and this is cool, so I'm going to do it. Yes, I have a really unpopular opinion about this. Typically, when a founder says that I'm building this to exit, that's usually exit for people who don't understand means like literally leave their company and either go public or sell it to be acquired by something bigger. Um, so when people will say like, oh, I'm, I'm selling this to exit, um, that really would scare a lot of investors away because they would create that story of like, oh, they're not really committed to their vision. For me, it actually makes me feel better in a different way because it, it allows me to understand that they're not making it about them. They're building a company that doesn't need to function around them. So what I see a lot in founders right now is this whole like, look at me, like I'm building this company and right. it, I see it in myself because I'm a creator building a brand. You know what I mean? Like I get really like wildly self-aware about it too. Cause it's like, dang, I don't know if my brand could function without me today. Like, I don't know if that's a great long-term thing. So it's something that I'm like wildly curious and wildly, um, just analytical about today. And so, yeah, that's something that I just see. Like, I think that a founder should not make the business about them. The business needs to function without them. Um, and I'm around like some really cool, powerful women that like really do that a lot. Um, and it's just, I really respect them. I don't know. It's, it's, it's cool to watch. Cause it's really like, I think that you, you step into another level of service when you, when you reach that level as an entrepreneur, it's like, it's really not about me. It's serving these customers at the highest level. Right. Um, so yeah, that's I'm a good point it. that you bring up. I completely agree from a brand strategy perspective as well. Right. A great example of this is like Kylie cosmetics no way in hell would thrive without Kylie Jenner as the face. But after a certain point, you can tell that she's over it. All right, sure, let's package up the same shade in a different packaging yeah, and just sell it again. Yeah, story like this again. You can just tell that the person doesn't yeah. care and they're just here because they can't really leave because that's going to tank the company. I agree in terms of creating a brand that's not reliant on you as the face and you as the main influence or driving force of a company because it can bite you in the ass should you decide yeah. at some point to exit which is a totally inevitable decision that people face whether it's because you're like 
you know, I think I've done everything I can. I want to like give it to a bigger conglomerate to take over and they further it or you break apart from your co-founder if you have one. There's just certain decisions that you do have to make that may rely on you having to leave. Yeah. And if you're the face and you take all of the revenue with you, that becomes also a problem for the people that now are stuck with this company. Also another thing too with the co-founder thing, you definitely um, reminded me, if you have a co-founder and you guys don't have an operating agreement, you need to do it like now, yesterday, especially if you're trying to get cash injections, a lot of investors won't touch that. Without an operating agreement? Very interesting. Can you talk a little bit of, more about what that is to anybody listening who's like, what oh, yeah. the fuck's an operating agreement? 100% operating agreements are super freaking easy. It literally is like a boilerplate thing. It's just like saying like, these are the owners of whether it's an LLC or an S corp, that's basically just the business entity that doesn't actually matter. And like when you are at that spot, you will have different accountants and stuff like that that can help you and support you you don't need to understand that right now but just the um the operating agreement is just okay these are the members of said business and this is their responsibilities um because really that is like the source of truth like if there's anything that goes on if there's any friction if there's any disagreement um it happens a lot disagreement is natural when you have two co-founders i really i would be worried if it didn't um, if there wasn't any disagreements, but like really going back to that North star of like, what's our vision? Like, what are you here to do? What am I here to do? In terms of like trends that you maybe see in the tech space or in the investing space in general for this year, what are some things that either founders should look out for or investors, for example, maybe more creator investors. It seems like that's part of the creator economy. That's really starting to evolve as well in terms of. Um, yes. creators like Glamzilla, Olivia Ponton started investing into nude sticks. Are we seeing a rise in that? And maybe other things that you have noticed from your perspective as well. Oh my gosh. Yes. I love this question. I've been sitting here like smiling, just like, oh my God. So, um, <laughs> for the tax side, AI, we're going to be entering another bubble. It's going to be the AI bubble. So like, I think last year was like NFTs, a few years before that's like the dot coms. Right. So, um, we're going to see a lot of AI, which is really great and really exciting. We're going to see so many use cases for it. Also stay really discerning of like, oh, did this whole company need to be made or is just one company just going to acquire all of them at some point? So just say, stay really discerning of that, of like, do we need like seven different copywriting startups right now? Probably not. They'll probably either just not make it or absorb. Second part is boomers are retiring. So the really cool thing about that on the private equity side is this really amazing project that I've been really involved with, um, which I'm really excited to share. It's so I, I do also work for Celestial um, Group. It is a private equity firm. Got lots of jobs here, lots of hats. And what <laughs> I do there, <laughs> what I do there um, is it's, it's really awesome. So I'm also a limited partner with them. I also invest with them. And so what we do is we get to acquire really boring cash flowing safe businesses. Hmm. They are so slept on. Like I'm talking like dentist office. I'm talking like construction cone companies. Like it's so interesting, like how wildly lucrative these businesses are that like boomers have been holding on to their millennial kids don't want to deal with it. They're in their own lives now kind of stuff. And it's just now they're on, on the market. So what we do is this is really a group for action taking women. Um, it's really just about 
creating a really accessible opportunity and experience for this, right? So like kind of how the founders, um, Jennifer and Camilla, they're super amazing, how they always pitch it as like NFL players, like when they get a deal, they get taxed a it. There's nothing like that for women. So like, that's kind of like what this is. Like it's that luxurious white glove service to like get deals, say yes or no, deposit. And then you like, you bought into like, you know, a cash flowing business, which is super insane. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm going to link. I remember you sent me some info on this. So I'm going to put it in the okay. show notes of this episode in case anybody wants to check it out. I personally have, I'm exploring there as well. I will link that for anybody else who's interested in applying and connecting with Jennifer yeah. and Mila as well and you to talk more about this. My final question for you would be for anybody who's listening to you and is like, whoa, this is so interesting. I want to find more information on the things that Gabrielle's talking about. Where would you recommend to go, whether it's newsletters that you love to subscribe to or any types of online sources or um, inspirations of yours that are also talking about this in a way that's accessible and not condescending? So any resources that you recommend for anybody who's looking for more information on this? Oh my gosh. So for my last, that last part that you just said, definitely go to my Instagram. It's just Gabrielle underscore underscore judge. I try to repost like stuff that you're literally saying. It's like, it actually has substance and it's like not using buzzwords and like we get what it's saying. So I try to put really educational stuff in my stories there. Um, on my socials. So my TikTok is Gabrielle judge. Um, my link tree normally has like everything that I'm up to anti-work girl boss is also, um, my my business is instagram too so they're all kind of like tagged and chained together they're pretty easy to find um for me like i try to get really really radical about like how i share content and trying to a big thing that happens with the creator world is we create friction a lot and so we're always constantly trying to and you probably understand this too being a creative of like constantly trying to reduce that friction of like getting the stimulus to think of that content getting the content out, editing it and posting it. I'm trying to be way more um, quick about that this year. So I have my sub stack, which has been super exciting because it allows me to just kind of like get stuff out. Yeah. Um, and it's not in like this produced, like real Z TikTok-y thing. Um, so that's been really exciting. And then I'm also going to be, this is launching at the end of the month. I'm launching a bootcamp for ladies that want to automate their job search and get a really cool anti-work safe, lazy girl job. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's been super exciting. So that's on my link tree as well. So, um, that's also like more ways to get contact with me and, and really work with me closely. Um, but yeah, it's a wild year. It's so hard sometimes to like kind of niche out all my content. And then I've just been like so over it that I'm like, I'm not even niching anymore. I'm done. Like in terms of like stuff that you personally read or how you find information on investing and, and mm-hmm. you know, career and finance, where do you normally go to get up to speed on things happening in the industry there? Oh, that's such a good, that's such a good uh, question. So for me, try to find as many founder friends and if you're too young right now and you're like none of my friends are doing anything i promise you you know like two out of the ten people that you know right now are going to be doing something so i would say like get really really good about the network that you have in your hyper local community because i think that that's one thing reason that like the boys club wins so much is because it's such a boys club and, and they have each other and it's so um selective so I would say try to create your own like club like who are your people around you like what are they saying to you like it's it's they're not you, but like also at the same time, if you're absorbing what they're saying all day, it, it does affect you a little bit. Um, when it comes to like actual content itself, 
I switch up like my newsletters a lot because like, unfortunately I, I do still support them, but like, it's hard because I'll see the same thing over and over a week. And it's like hard for me to stay loyal to them, but I do a lot of, um, tech brew news and like morning brew. So like something that's very like TLDR formatted, um, there's TLDR crypto. Um, there's different people that I'm pretty obsessed with and not because I care about like their personal life, but, um, you know, like Gary V, um, Grant Cardone, like those big people and kind of like what they're up to. I really try to absorb like everyone and, and see what they're up to. Why do they care about something right now? Um, that's probably my favorite, but I would say like when it comes to like communities and stuff like that, I'm really not in much besides like my community and celestials. Um, I would also say too, if you have any chance to either get a scholarship or if it's around you, like go to as many festivals as you can, if they're either like investment related, entrepreneurship related, if there's like a meetup around you where like people practice pitches or something like that, like try to surround yourself with as much as you can. Cause like, just all we have is like people in our internet. Yeah. And you never know what you're going to come across yeah. for sure. Yeah. I would also say that if you have, even the slightest affinity for creating content, like do it. Mm -hmm. I cannot even be, I mean, you and I met on the internet, but like, this is a perfect example, but like, I cannot even begin to describe how many people I've met that I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much value here. We can pour into each other and help each other with things, or they know a lot about something that I maybe am newer to, or there's so much out there on the internet as well. And people that are willing and open to connect if you just put yourself out there. So same advice for real life and <laughs> for, for the, the internet life. too. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing your time with us. I'll put all of the links and resources that Gabrielle mentioned, um, in the show notes of this episode. So you guys can check out the celestial group anti-work girl boss, her socials, um, and catch up on all things career and finance and tech if you're interested. But this was so helpful and I appreciate you taking the time to break certain things down for anybody who's listening as well. Thanks, Kate. Yeah, thanks for the time today. This was super fun, super excited. And I feel like you were like one of the first hosts that really like clearly got everything that I was doing. Like sometimes it's very hard to like get all of it together, but I really, really wanted to shout out just like your, your, um, interviewing format and how you really like flowed through it all. That was, that was super impressive. Oh, thanks. (laughs) What a great note to end this episode on. (laughs) Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for tuning in to Kindly Gifted. To support the podcast, please leave a review, share with your friends, and don't forget to subscribe. Make sure you follow me on TikTok at Kate Mob for more creative secrets from the internet's momager. See you on the next episode of Kindly Gifted.